Where's your boy? He ain't even late. He's just not here, dog. Oh, he's not late today? He, am I touching the mic? <laughs> I can't touch the mic. I touch the mic, all right? I can't touch the mic. That's the thing. Uh, no. He's not late. He just didn't even show up today. He just didn't even want to come, did no, he? No, well, he, he has an excuse. He has a great excuse. A great so, Tyler, excuse. so we're talking about Tyler. Tyler's daughter, Giada, Giada's having a birthday this weekend. Yeah. So they made it a three-day, not just a one-day. It's doing, a three-day. It's a 72-hour celebration yeah. <laughs> for a nine-year-old birthday. <laughs> hey, I'm not blaming you, Tiff. I'm not saying that. That's, that's, that's your boy Ben taking those shots hey, at you. Hey, I'm not Giada's a big listener to the show, too. So Gia, happy yeah. birthday, Gia. Yeah, Gia you is, hear this. She's, she's a monster, though, yeah. lad, too. She, she's awesome. What do you think she thinks when Uncle Darren is using bad, uh, da- Uncle bad Darren, language? Uncle Darren is not the only one using bad language. <laughs> what a, uh, Uncle Ben. Do you think Uncle Darren dad? and Uncle Ben are allowed at the house? <laughs> <laughs> depends. It all depends on Tiff. I mean, yeah. Tiff's the one who's going to let us in. You know what? Tyler I'm, has no control. I, Tiff, correct me if I'm thinking Tiff probably has a, a fouler mouth than any of us. Tiff is an Italian. <laughs> Tough. I'm no, I wouldn't yeah. go there. I think I think she's very strategic. I bet you there was a time in her life. Probably a time in her where life. Every other word was. But I think her I think she's strategic <laughs> in her word placement and how she goes about it because Tyler's sharp. You know how Tyler is. You gotta yeah. you know, trying to outthink Tyler, you, that, no, you, he, that's not a win. He's not a dumb brick he, like no, you would think. No. So she she's he's strategic on yeah. how what buttons to push and how to push those buttons. But she wins all the time. I don't know how she does it. Yeah. But she wins all the time. All women do. Yeah they do. So yeah, they do. So anyway, all hey right. guess what day it is when people are listening to this. Guess what day it is. You have Not no idea because you don't know when these you don't know when these episodes release. You just have zero clue. I know we went over that hundred thousand <laughs> download mark. I know that part. Is that what you're talking about? No, I'm saying the day that this episode releases uh-huh. is the day before Thanksgiving. So it'll be so happy Wednesday. Thanksgiving to you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I didn't you, know that. What do you I, think? I didn't think for? about that. I, I wasn't. I didn't think of that. Well, I know you didn't because you don't think, think you don't think five minutes beyond the current time. You know why? Because I'm trying to deal You're with staying it. present. I'm staying present. <laughs> I'm enjoying the journey. I'm not thinking about this five, six You're days. inadvertently. <laughs> inadvertently. Staying, <laughs> staying in the moment. <laughs> That's all I know how to do. Oh, man. What are you thankful for? My family. Okay, course. okay. We get it. We get it. Family. God. Yeah, I get it. God. We, the you typical answers, that. I get it. What are you really thankful for? Uh, my health. Yes. I'm thankful for my health, man, because I've seen so many and, you know, not just through COVID, but just through, just through naturally, you know, friends that have passed away Mm -hmm. uh, over the last couple of years. And, you know, unlike you, I'm getting older. And as I get older, once you hit that 50 mark, you start to see, I mean, it's, it's, it is what it is. You start to see people that you grew up with you know, are starting to fall off and, mm-hmm. and, and pass away. And even not only that, but my mother's age, my people that, you know, those that, that raised me, um, you know, they're, they're at their end of the end of their lifetime too, as well. So that's, you know, I'm always grateful for my health and for my family's health. You know, thank God my mom at 75 right now is doing extremely mm-hmm. well, but there's just, you know, Tough times, man. You, you know, get some get, good stock. You get some good genes, though. Yeah, man. But you know, it's just it's a part of life, and you mm-hmm. know it's a part of life. But at the same time, I'm just appreciative that 
you know, that I'm healthy, my family's healthy right now, and I just, you know, I wish that on everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'm grateful for, I had a conversation the other day with a good friend who lost his job during this time, like Mm. many people, Mm -hmm. and this was back in June or July, I think. Still hasn't been able to find one, find one, find work. Mm. So, yeah, so I'm thankful that, thank you know, that we still have, that we're still employed. Yeah. And we yeah. still have work. Man, and we're still able to provide an income. But have you really, I mean, honestly, and I know, like, we get stuck in our own worlds and we don't start, yeah. we don't think about what other people are going through all the time. Even on the show, I mean, we all, all, all three of us, when Tyler's here, we always have these thoughts about, you know, what's affecting us in the now. Yep. Or uh, what's affecting your world. Or what's affecting our world. Yep. But it's, you know, there's so many people just through COVID over the, since February, March, how many people have lost their jobs, have had health issues, are, are trying to figure out who they are because now they don't, they're not as busy anymore and they're trying to figure out what's their purpose in life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, a lot, and I'm, I'm going through a lot of that as right. well. You know, there's, you know, I'm getting to know myself a lot better from, from the, you know, the situation, but you know, it's just, you know, right now I just feel like I'm so blessed, man, just to, right. just to be present right now. Yeah, I mean, I just offer encouragement. Again, when you're not going through it personally, it just doesn't seem to, like, there's just no way to really, like, you can have empathy, but there's really no way to feel, feel it, it Yeah, unless you're actually going through it yourself. So this this is a little bit empty coming from us, but, I mean, if you do find yourself in that situation right now, I, I just encourage you, man, to just, it sounds so cliche, but just keep going. Yeah, You know, try to figure out a way to better yourself in this time. Try to figure out a way to use the extra time that you have to develop a new skill maybe or to learn something. I know it seems like that's the last thing you want to do. And and again, this is, this is based on this conversation I just had. I mean, it, it really is a depressing time. Yeah. And so it's hard to focus on the good that can potentially come out Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah. And I just told you today, this morning, I was, you and Ben and I were talking this morning and I was telling you about my daughter, the conversation I had with my daughter, uh, Miranda, yesterday. Uh, and at 22 years old, and I, and I can't imagine myself going through where we are in today's world as far as COVID is concerned, how isolating it is for mm-hmm. a lot of young people. Right. Uh, my, my daughter at 22 years old is going to school. She's in Austin. Everything's, you know, it's hit or miss if it's locked down or if it's not. You know, the restaurants aren't open like they normally are. The bars aren't open. And at that age, man, you just want, that's what life's about at that, you know, that 19 to 22, 23-year-old span when you're in college. It's about the experiences, man. So, you know, I, I keep telling her, babe, just get out and just enjoy the time and get to know people. And she's like, Dad, hey, look, it, that's easy for you to say. But there's a, you know, some people are are as friends are just isolating themselves. Right. Some are not. Some are out there and they're just going like they've lived their their life and, you know, they could care less about the dangers of COVID. But then, you know, my, she said my closest friends, we've all pretty much have quarantined ourselves because we don't want to, you know, go through that, that experience. But, and I just feel, you know, I feel sorry for her and those at that age, man, because this is the time where you just, you should be, if you're in Austin, you're on, Mm-hmm. you know, sixth street and you're right. going hard enjoying life. And yeah. You know. Well, and, and even young people that do have jobs that are still blessed to have their jobs, 
you know, as you know, when you're trying to build a business, whatever, whatever industry you're in, it's a tough time. Yeah. And so I can't even imagine right now just starting work with the last eight months, how it's been. It's, it's, you know, it's tough. So we've referenced before other, you know, guests that we've had on and, and, and a common theme is they take the worst moments of their life mm-hmm. and years later they're able to look back and think, man, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's very, very difficult to think that in the moment. I get it. Um, we've talked about, you know, my story, the, mm-hmm. the, the knee injury, that in the moment that was not the best thing that ever happened. But looking right. back now, I can appreciate the things it taught me. And I look back and, I do, and I'm very grateful for that. So if you do find yourself in that, in that situation – you know, maybe you don't have a job. Maybe your health is failing. Hopefully this time next year you can look back and think, man, that was the best thing. I learned something about myself right. or I learned a new skill or, or I bettered myself in that moment. Hopefully people are taking it with that approach. But that, in that moment, honestly, I, I think that you just said it. A lot of people are going through these moments in their lives, and I've always felt like those that have been able to get out of those isolation or health problems or there's something disruptive they've done within their life they've done something that's disruptive whether it be you know getting up in the morning starting to work out uh starting to plan the days how the days go as far as you know whatever goals you have they you've done something that's catapulted you to a to another process you, you haven't stayed idle that's took, the thing you, you took back control you took control you have not stayed idle you if, if you're going to just stay idle through that process you're going back you're going back yeah you got to yeah. do something that's disruptive yeah to whatever you're doing so if you're in this in, in this mode of man it's the same thing over and over and over again it's up to you to be disruptive to fix that right there's only two modes really you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards because yeah. if you're staying the same you're moving back there's no progress. You. So again, again, house. it's easy for us to sit here in this nice, expensive house. <laughs> Whose house is this? Whose house you're talking about? This is not it's 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 easy for us to say, but but I promise you, we've been there at <laughs> yeah. some at one point or another, and we're going to talk about that today a little bit. So please just keep going. Please don't put find yourself. And and, and we've talked about this in the anxiety and depression episode. Go talk to somebody yeah. if it's getting that bad, mm-hmm. and if it's really becoming an issue, go talk to somebody. Or listen to someone. Or listen to somebody. Yeah. Have a conversation about it because I know there's other people that have experienced. There's so much power in not feeling alone. Yeah. There's so much power in talking it out. Of and so around, hopefully, yeah. being around like a, you know the energy of being around another person, just yep. having the energy that. Uh, yeah, which again is hard awful. because of the 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 the, the yeah. virus is very real. So that yeah. is that is difficult. Yeah. So you said something a bit ago, you know, talking about perspective and and. You know, it's hard to connect and understand if you've never experienced it. Yeah. So that's actually a pretty good segue to what we're going to talk about today. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about um, what life is like growing up in the inner city or, or living in the inner city. Mm-hmm. And when we say inner city, obviously we mean, you know, lower income area right. of town. Doesn't have to be race. Doesn't have to be, yeah, right. we're not, we're, this has nothing to do with race. This is all yeah. about yeah. what, where the, the the environment that you find yourself mm-hmm. in. And before you, I will make a race joke, I guess, but before you write me off as just some clueless white boy who doesn't know what I'm talking about, what because that's are. what we see, right? Yeah. We put people in boxes and, and we don't see people as individuals. So right. if you're listening to this, you don't know who I am. You probably just assume, dude, he's just some privileged white dude. Yeah. Tell him where you're from. But from the hood. But the gangbanger used to do that. <laughs> 
to give you a little context, so the greatest gift, I've said this before, the greatest gift my parents ever gave me was the experience of perspective mm-hmm. and the gift of perspective. So I was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, which is one of the biggest cities in the world. It's also one of the biggest cities as far as discrepancy between the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. In fact, so they call them favelas, basically the ghettos, the, mm-hmm. the lower-income areas. Mm-hmm. They have the, at the time, fact check me, this may be updated, but at one point they had the largest favela, the largest gathering of low-income neighborhood in the world. Mm. And so just understand, like, this is where I was born. This is where I live. My parents, mm. quick story, my mom was taking my baby brother, he, I don't know how old he was at the time, to go get a haircut. As soon as she pulls out of the drive, now we lived in a neighborhood where everybody had locks on their front door mm, or, yeah. or the gate, fences around their, their yard. Right. And, and it was locked. Like you didn't, you didn't let anybody in and out. Everybody right. had a big dog. We had a Rottweiler. Right. That's, that's the neighborhood we lived in when I was, when I was mm. younger. As soon as she pulls out of the driveway, two men jump in, hold her at gunpoint. Drive her down the road, say, hey, we're not going to hurt you. We just need your car. They let her off a few blocks later. Thankfully, take the car, take all their watches, everything. So that's the environment I started my life in. My parents were missionaries for 15 years in Brazil. And then we moved to Abilene, which Abilene is a great town, safe, awesome, but it has a very high population of low income. Mm -hmm. And so my high school that I went to, and, and middle school even, I was actually a minority. And there was a high population, again, of low income. So before, again, before you sit here and think, well, what does this guy know? That's my background. That's the perspective that I come from. I've seen this mm-hmm. firsthand. And then obviously everybody knows your story. So if you don't know, if, if, if it's not top of mind, if you've only ever spent your life in Highland Park, Texas, right. you don't know what other people are going through. Right. And so we just want to hopefully give some perspective today of what life is really like in the inner city. Yeah. And so for Darren, for you, growing up where you come from, what was it like just give us a general overview of what, what a, day in, a day in the life of your life looks you, like. You know, you, when you ask that question, I mean, the first thing, the memories I go back to is, man, we had a, I had a good life, man. I, I didn't for the longest time, you know, I talked about it a couple of shows ago, but I didn't know I was poor. Right. Uh, I just remember, which is so different from the day, and this is you know, in the 80s. Uh, mostly. What was, like what said, was going on in the world in that time? When well, you were, when you were, let's say, because you were born in what, 69? 69. Okay, so, so in the 70s, what, what so was life 70s, like? So 70s, uh, I can't, and I was so young then that I can't tell you everything. I, I can tell you this. I can remember at a point when, it, like it, back in the 80s, when crack hit the streets. That was in the 80s? That was in the 80s. And the devastation that crack had to the inner cities where you had men and women that you looked up to that ended up getting, you know, hooked on crack or, you know, you know, participating in the drug game, but it changed everything. So it, did, did it feel like an immediate, like, did you notice an immediate difference? Absolutely, man. What was absolutely that like? So because, what was it before? What was it like before crack? I mean, before that, it was, you know, a lot of people, we, we, you know, you're playing pickup games, and, and, and it still happened through that process. Right. But, you know, you're playing pickup games as a kid. You know, everything was, was you know, basketball, baseball, football. If there was a ball and it rolled, we were playing it, man. Mm-hmm. We were, I'm at the YMCA for hours playing ping pong or, 
you know, enjoying my time. And then I, you know, I had brothers and a lot of friends. So it was more, you know, being outside was, and I grew up, you know, in Phoenix, it was being outside all the time. I was never inside the house. You know, my mom used to have this rule. The lights went down, the lights outside, street lights went out. Your ass better be home. Mm -hmm. And, and that was our rule. So So I just, uh, during the day, there wasn't like a thought or a fear necessarily because no, again, man. again I, I'm I'm thinking if somebody's never experienced inner city life, no, you all, know, all you see is movies and you yeah. think there's gangbangers all the all time. The time. Yeah, just, no, drive bys happening. So what? Nah, look, there's some bad things that are going down. I mean, trust me. And, and most of the time, it's you know where it's going to go down. It's like, it's almost like you, in any situation, if you knew some guys are always into some shit, mm-hmm. there was going to be some shit. So the thing you don't want to be is you don't want to be around them dudes that are always, you know, down in that way. Like It's just the odds of something bad happening right. to you are great. So I think that was my, my, my deal was, okay, I was friends with everybody. Didn't matter who it was, whether you blood, crip, uh, you know, you're from one of the uh, Hispanic gangs, and there were a lot more Hispanic gangs than any, any of them. But, you know, I knew all those dudes, and I went to school with them, and I didn't have a problem with them. I just – didn't participate. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was an athlete uh, or, or just a regular student. I just, I was just one of the dudes. So I could walk across gang lines and be, and, and be buddies with all of them mm-hmm. and not really had a problem. And I think that's one of the things you see on these shows where you guys are like, well, you know, you stay away from here, you do this. And it could be like that in certain areas, right? you know, and it probably is. You know what I used to hear is you couldn't wear a certain you can wear certain colors. Yeah. What well, was that? it depends. Is there some truth yeah, to that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, and that's just it. I mean, if you wore something, you know, certain colors, they knew you, you know, in the neighborhood, then you're, you're all good. They just knew you. You know, yeah. like, hey, you might have a they red shirt there on. Was yeah, no that's thought. Woody. He's straight. Right. He's cool. Now, let me take my ass to the south side and wear that red shirt. Mm-hmm. I might have a problem. I mean, that they, they, they don't know me. Well, I'm, I'm going to have a problem. So I got to, you got to know, have some street smarts on, on, you know, where you are. And I've always had friends. Like I, I've told you this story. My best friend growing up did 26 years. You know, when he got into high school, he was gangbanging mm-hmm. and he took care of me more than anything. He used to tell me, we used to go to parties. He's like, oh, no, 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 you, you can't, you got to leave or no, you can't come to this party. That's so and that's interesting just, to me. That, but that, that he had that awareness. Yeah, because he was in it. Right. He was in the mix of doing those. And that's my, to this day, he's my, my dude. But, I mean, those are, like, there's a lot. And I think it's transferred to my life now. Like, just being street smart about things. Like, you may not want to leave your door open. Or when you're driving up to an ATM at night, that might not be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Or going to get gas after 9, 10 o'clock at night. You know, that, it may behoove you. To fill up your tank when the sun is out right. <laughs> during the day right. instead of, you know, risking it later on. I mean, there was, there's so many things that I've learned through the process because I've seen people get robbed. Mm-hmm. I've, I've known the guys who are the hitters in the neighborhood and what they were looking for because they're my friends. Right. Right. So I learned so much from those guys, whether it be good or bad, man. But it's just it, it, it taught me so much about life. Uh, as I grew up, man. But I always look back and I always say, man, I had, I had the best life, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't sit well, here. And, I can't sit here and say I can, I can understand 
the 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 pressures of living in the inner city because there there's you know there's some innocent lives that are that are being lost whether it be through um, just flat out crime or guns or whatnot or police brutality and all that and I've experienced all that I really have man I've gone through all anything you can think of drugs police brutality anything you can think of I've seen it or I've been in it and I understand it but at the same time there were so many positives of just being a child in, in that time, because I learned so much about life at a young age. Mm-hmm. So let, let's, let's dive into a little bit instead of just speaking in generality. So when you say, like, for instance, you said you had to think about when you went and filled up your gas tank, yeah. you had to think about locking your door when you left, mm-hmm. you had to think about certain things. Now I just, I just said, Hey, I grew up, you know, born in Brazil, but when I lived in Abilene, we didn't really think about that. I went to school with people that did mm-hmm. and had a lot of friends of people that did. But my particular neighborhood, we left our door unlocked all the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a second thought. I didn't have to think twice about going to the gas station at night. Right. Never even really crossed my mind. Maybe, maybe my mind more so than other. but you know mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Right. So those are definitely experiences that most people don't mm-hmm. really deal with. For you, it just sounds so nonchalant and like it's just second nature. Like that's just what I dealt with. But it's what you were taught, right? As well. So I've I've been taught by you know again my mother being the matriarch of our family, but I had two older brothers, I had uncles, I had you know a lot of people who taught me those ways of life. And then again, I had experiences mm-hmm. that I that I had to go through, and I and I just think that there what were, were some of those like like the. Like Did it, you ever have an issue going and filling your gas tank that, that your firsthand knowledge taught you, hey, I want to avoid this situation in the future? Yes. Okay. Yes. What happened? I, uh, going through a drive-thru uh, late at night with a buddy uh, and getting robbed. Mm. This is when I first got a car. Now, I knew. So 16 years old. I knew going into this that I'm not hitting that jack-in-the-box right really? now. Oh, yeah. Because okay. there was a line outside and I was like. Yeah, not a good time to be well, idle in your car. Not a damn. Right. This is not the t- chance, the time to go get something at one o'clock in the morning in this neighborhood because right. of such and such. And it wasn't a neighborhood that I was accustomed to being in. It was a you know different neighborhood than I was in. But I again, what was I doing? Out with my buddies chasing. Yeah. Uh, in a different neighborhood. Right. And then got hungry and stopped at a, at a jack in the box, sat in line, and a dude and a guy walks up. And robs everyone that's in line. No way. Job. Yes. Nobody could do anything about couldn't, it. Couldn't get out your car. Wow. Couldn't get out your car. He's, where am I going to go? I'm lo- and I'm watching to him two cars up. And you know and it's he's, coming. And he's just tapping on windows with the gun. Bap, bap, bap. No Roll way. your shit. Oh, yeah. Robbed everybody on the. <laughs> Holy <laughs> But cow. that's the realities that's of. That's just life. That's just life. So those are the experiences that I carry with me today. And I'll, I'll give you another one. Um, like a real fight. A real fight. And when I grew up, there was no such thing as fair. Mm. If you and I were buddies and we're and I'm fighting one guy, your ass better be in the mix. We're just talking like you WrestleMania better, full out bro. Oh, you better be in the mix. <laughs> There ain't no such thing as one on one. Really, one on one. It's not a. It's not, not a. a hey, good. let him handle hey, it. Hey, you are. A, we're fighting a dude. He ain't got his buddies with him. He's a mark. That's his fault. He's that's it. 
That's just how it is. Right. There's nothing fair on these streets. So that's the one thing that I've always, and I t- I've taught my kids, hey, uh, I'm not going, you know, if you're going to square up with somebody, you better get the first shot, dog. It ain't, you swing first, period. I don't care what the teacher says. I don't care what the principal right. says. I'll deal with that afterwards. But your ass, get, you get the first punch in. Yeah. Because I'll tell my kids in a heartbeat, fight only lasts 30 seconds on average. Dog. I, right. That's through experience. So you better throw the first. You better throw the first right. one and land, set your feet. So was that taught to you? Hey, was, was it ever taught to you, hey, try to avoid it? Like walk away. Yes. Was that taught, or is yeah. it more of no? <laughs> hey, it's it's inevitable. You yep. just got you better throw that first punch. No, it's, no, it's look, going down. Look, you, you, it's a numbers game as well. I mean, that's the one thing the streets tell you as well. Is, yeah. You know, if you're going to talk all this trash and you're by yourself, well, that's a, that's an L. That's probably that's more than likely going to be an L, a loss. So just understand, it's always a numbers game. So did you ever roll by yourself anywhere? Or, Try or not it? to. No, no. Really? No. Uh-uh, so you're always buddy. thinking, I'm with my boys. Right, if I want to go from A I'm to B, Keith, I better, I better hey, roll with people. I'm with Keith William Tucker. That's his name. His name's William Tucker. Call him Keith Tricker T. That's my dude. Big I'm, Bill? I'm a, no, he, <laughs> my boy Chad. I mean, I, I, I just rolled with my buddies. I mean, yeah. I just – there were so many guys that, that, you know, you just didn't want to be in a situation so where you were alone. Was it as gnarly as, okay, I want to go to my house and I want to go to white boy Chad's house? No. Was it as gnarly as I better have somebody with me to go to his no. house? No. If you, as long as you were doing that no, short of a trip, That's what good. I'm saying. When you're in your neighborhood, it's, it's, it's no what, different. Define your neighborhood. Like my block. If I'm on my block or... Like four four by four streets, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I'm on my block, then that's not. Everybody knows each other. You, right. Your families know each other. Yep. You, you know, that's that's normalcy of just everyday living. I don't. I don't think I've ever had a problem in in that aspect. As far as I was scared to to walk around on my street. You just now, you just said something interesting there because I wonder how many people today know the neighbor two doors down. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Again, that's a we, different culture. We don't even know right. our neighbors. I was just going to, I didn't want to put you on blast. Yeah. <laughs> but, but growing up, it sounds like you knew everybody. You knew everybody because everybody was out. I mean, everybody was on the street. And it's different from, from it was different then than it is now. Because do you think that's an inner city thing or do you think that's just a I think that's d- just different life. time? I just think it was a different time. It's just a different time because, you know, maybe in inner city now it's more isolated because there's video games, there's so much going on, social media, whatnot. But back then, you know, it was the you're riding your bike, you're on the street. You didn't like everybody. Everybody didn't like each other. I'm not saying that that happened, and there was some you know in and outs here and there. But you know, for the most part, you just knew everybody. Yeah, you know, and there was a respect. And I and I grew up at a different time where you respected your elders. Like I was taught that early on. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, Mrs. Green who lives next door to us, she's 75 years old. You you cut her lawn. That's just Hey, go over cut her lawn. Yeah. Okay. Are we talking even gangbangers no. are, are treating her with respect? <laughs> Everybody. It's Everybody. Just, yeah. It's just, that's, that's so Mrs. Green, dude. Yeah. That's just, you take care of her. So, um, yeah, man, I just, I don't know. I, I, my experience growing up in the inner city, man, you know, it may be different from those today. It may be different from someone else from East St. Louis or Chicago, sure. yeah. Compton yeah. City. I mean, you yeah. know, everybody's got their own you know, hoods and, and, and how they dealt with things. But, you know, I always felt like, yeah, there were, I learned a lot because 
I knew what I had in front of me, but I didn't know the other blocks. And if you showed up on the other blocks, they they play by different rules. They might be wearing different colors. They, you know, and, and that the unknown was the fear. It's the fear of the unknown. So you just don't take your ass over there. Right. So your world really, if you were going to play it safe and you really wanted to be, make sure you Isolate. were okay. I was in my bubble. Your world was a four by four. Oh, block. brother. That was, was your world. It was down you the street. You weren't, yeah, you weren't going trying, much further down the street. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to yeah. entertain people I don't know. Or right. don't, you know, and, that's, and I've gotten myself, this is the times I've gotten, I've told stories here, I've gotten myself in trouble. And it was, for me, it was always, you know, you know you, you're growing up as a kid and you're like, girls, you got into that fever right. of, hey, I wanted to go, you know, meet as many girls and in, in my neighborhood there were some but then in all the other neighborhoods there were yeah. a lot they were exotic girls exotic. Over <laughs> 12 streets over <laughs> so i've got myself in trouble yeah. many a times of you know stepping outside of my own bounds and then i'm in somewhere fresh and it's like yeah. Oh, holy yeah it's was it's, fear like did, did played a huge role fear okay i was just gonna ask role. did you get yeah. to a point where the fear, whatever the fear side of your brain, was it as strong, like, or yeah. was it just normal, like, you know what I'm trying to say? No, I, no, I think, how would I say, would it be fear, or it would just be, there's like an understanding, it's like an unspoken rule about certain things, and I wouldn't say it's, it's I think it's based around fear of, you know, getting your ass kicked or sure. being, you know, getting shot or something like that. Right. I mean, but I, I think it was, you know, even even now, I mean, you, you sort of understand. I mean, and people always talk about profiling and, you know, well, you know, we shouldn't be profiling each other. I, that's just a part of human nature. Well, it's a survival, right? it's it's a survival instinct. Absolutely. So being a survival instinct was the same way, whether it be people of your color, people of different color. If you are, if you put yourself in a position where you don't know who the other person is, then that's your fault. Isn't then that, that's that. Then you get caught. I don't want to go off on a on a racial tangent here, but isn't that interesting? How for some reason skin color is the first thing that we box people into. Like you don't know anything about the person, but for some reason, I guess because it's so tangible and it's mm-hmm. just something you can see. But it's interesting how skin color. You just said it. Mm-hmm. is the first thing you, like, that's the first box you put somebody into is by their skin color right. as opposed to anything else. I don't know. I, I don't want to yeah, go yeah. too far down that route. Yeah, but hey, but. man, I you know, I'll, I'll just say it because I can't, I can't say it. But you walk in some of the, the mostly Hispanic neighborhoods in, in, you know, where I grew up, dude, and they, they are not playing around. Really? This is not a game. It, it is, like, it's some real shit. Like I've met, I've had, I have plenty of Mexican friends or Hispanic friends predominantly were Mexican, but mm-hmm. that they did not, it was not a game brother. Yeah. And Do you think that they, was more of, Hey, we don't know you or it was, it was family, man. They're really deep pride, just a deep pride in who they are and what they, what they do. And, uh, you know, good with their hands and most, you know, Mexican dudes, man, they grew up before you. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, they're they shaving by fifth grade. Yeah. Yeah. And, they're, they're, and they're athletic as hell. Yes. You got to deal with Dude, them. our I mean, middle school like, team, man, it was Hispanic <laughs> dominant in middle school. And then the high school, <laughs> where'd they go? <laughs> it changed. But, 
Yeah, but you had to be careful, man, because right. they, they had so much pride. And I respected them so much, man, because they were about family mm-hmm. and, and taking care of their families first. But turf, more than any, any ethnic group, turf meant everything to them. Yeah. I, you just, you just yeah. And it was a respect on my side to be respectful in the sense of, you know, of growing up and being around, you know, Hispanic guys in school and getting to know them and all that stuff. You just already, you know, you got to know them personally. So you sort of knew what, the, what your boundaries were. They knew what their boundaries were. And then you, you know, you just went about your right. business. Now right. when shit jumped off and things jumped off, all of a sudden the, the line was to- clear. He could be my best friend and right. we are totally interesting. We, hey, you just you, go to your corner. You go, you go there. Yeah. I'll go here. And we're, we're straight. For yeah. Now. What was your relationship with wealth at that time? Meaning, mm. what did you think of wealth? What was your idea of money? What did money mean to you? Money was at that time? back then. Uh, the 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 drug dealers in the neighborhood have money. Um, that was wealth. Um, my father had a good job. What did he do? He worked at a place called Revlon, and he was a supervisor. Isn't Revlon like a beauty products? Beauty products, yeah. and had a big factory out in in uh, in Phoenix. Uh-huh. And as I got older, he took on that job. So I saw not so much when I was younger. I didn't see it. I, I didn't know what wealth was. The only thing I knew about wealth was the dude that was slanging crack mm-hmm. or weed or whatever. And he had money in his pocket. That's that's wealth. Because there wasn't like a lot of mentors who came back who were professionals, doctors right. or lawyers who came back. And, and and I didn't see that. That wasn't the profession. That wasn't the profession of choice. Back, what back were then. the professions? Yeah, it was. You in know, general of the people in your neighborhood. Just working class people, man. Just, just working in factories. Working like in factories. You know, my mom, my mom was a clerk at Maricopa County for 38 years. Mm. That was her one job. Then she had another job at the same time. But, uh, I, you know, I, I would say odd end. But they were working class people. I mean, odd end jobs, man. They just, they, they took on and they had them forever. Right. You know, that's, that was it. But I just didn't see, there wasn't a whole lot of wealth that was attributed to right. that. It was, you work every day. This is what you do. This is what you do. It's like the worker bee mentality. You go and you get up in the morning and you go and then you come back at a certain time and you have a boss and they tell you what to do and what time to be there. And it's, and it's sometimes just, you know, a disgruntled mentality from like, damn, I'm so tired of this shit and blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But that's all you knew. It was back and forth, back and forth. And then on weekends, you had weekends yeah. with your parents. And the parents would be all over the place on the block. You see them on Saturday, on, on uh, yeah. Saturdays and Sundays. And then Monday, that whistle below, brother, and they're right, right back to the grind all over again. Which makes sense why drug dealing is so appealing. Though. Absolutely. It's because right it's in front quote of unquote, you. quote-unquote easy money. It's easy money. It's lucrative. Yep. You don't go to a, you know, off to some factory Mm-hmm. Now there's the inherent danger, obviously, aspect of it. You get robbed, you get killed, right. whatever, you end up in jail. But it's quick cash. Yeah. And I got to think for a lot of young boys, especially growing up, 
that allure is pretty tough. It's now, to avoid. man. It's, it's quick cash. It's right now in your face. I'm I'm walking around with old ass shoes, and we just talked about it before we got on the show today. Mm-hmm. How'd you measure? How'd you used to measure yourself by the kicks you used yeah. to wear? Right? Yeah. Right. I used to, dude. I used to rock some Deion Sanders shoes. Did you? Oh, I did. <laughs> I didn't know Prime had a I shoe. I did, man. I know some Nikes. Used to wear cleats to school yeah. or what? No, my brother. My brother bamboozled me. <laughs> he he tricked me into trading shoes with him. I had these sweet Dion's, and he traded me for some like jankety black and blues. <laughs> yeah, he told me they were so cool. I don't know what he told me, but I got remember you. we ended up trading. He got me. He got, he got me, you. Dude. I got got. Yeah. Anyway, but that's how you sort of you know you wear nice shoes or whatnot, or you know nice clothes, and that's how you've sort of measured yourself by you you know wealth. Like that man, you got some nice gear. You're making some money. But what do you think the drug dealers look like? Or the pimps in the neighborhood? What, you know, they had cash in their pocket, right? Right. What did they look like? Well, cash equals power, right? Equals power, and they they had nice clothes, um, nice jeans, drove a nice car. So that's what you saw. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's what you saw, and and I. So it's hard for for me to like, you know I, I see these young kids now, and you know the drug dealer comes in the neighborhood. Well, you know there are you know the, the guys like myself, the professionals. We we need to be we need to take that spot. We need to take that spot. We need mm-hmm. to be the people that they're looking at right not the dude that's slinging crack because or or slinging drugs because at some point that you know that job looks like you know what that there's nothing scalable about that Mm -hmm. you know where you where the end is yeah you're gonna be in prison prison or dead yeah so that was a luxury and the luxury i had man for me was also i had uh, uncles who did my uncle sam did (laughs) crazy name my uncle sam did his entire life in and out of prison. Really? Yeah. So I, I had the measuring stick of understanding if you do this, this is what happens. Right. And I don't know how many ta- times my mother took us all to go see and visit my uncle Sam for in the prison. specific purpose of this is what happens when you do a, B and C mm. and you're on the wrong side of the law. This is what happened. Yeah. Dude, they used to close that gate behind us. And I can, I can tell you right now, there is no sound like that gate getting closed behind you. That's not, that's not somewhere I want to be. Dude. Yeah, my dad used to do prison ministry. Mm. And I remember going with him one time. And that was, it's a very sobering feeling. Yeah. Being in there. It's dark. It's, it's cold. It is, man. You know. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like your mom. So, I mean, we're just tipping the iceberg on this conversation. We could talk a long time about this, but so it sounds like your mom took the effort and the time to build a foundation within you. Mm -hmm. Maybe she couldn't get out necessarily on her own right? because she had responsibilities and, and she, there was just only so much she could do herself, but she understood if I can make my babies better Mm -hmm. and give them something, they can go on yeah. and do bigger and better things. Oh, man. So I, I would – absolutely. So I would say the better foundation you have is the better – is is the way out. Like if you have any foundation at all. Mm-hmm. So my mother sacrificed everything for her kids. Everything. Weekends. Dating. Uh, she was a single mom. Dating. Doing, you know – Spending time with her friends on, on weekends or during the week or uh, taking time out to just take a break. There were no breaks, man. My, I, I never, we never, I've never been on a vacation when I was a kid. There's really? no such thing as a vacation. Right. Yeah. I mean, we just, that yeah. wasn't a part of it. Christmas, you might get a gift. You know, mm-hmm. hey, you get a gift. You'll celebrate it, right? Yeah. So my mom, man, my mom 
and my sister Monica, I can't tell you, man, how big they were in my life. I mean, my mother set the foundation for all the kids. And it was, you know, yeah, you had something to do every day. Every day. Yeah, and you were going to talk to her at some point during the day, even when she was working two jobs. She was going to make sure she talked to her kids. So that's one. But she put people in. She put our the kids in place. So when she wasn't there, we had we had roles to play. My sister Monica was basically my second mother. To the point where she would kick my ass <laughs> if I didn't come home and do my schoolwork. Yeah, you deserved it quite a oh, bit. Oh, dude, she used to. I mean. And she'd yell, get on me, and, you know, all my brothers as well. And my brother Randy, you know, would be the same way. He, you know, Randy wasn't, my sister Randy and my brother, uh, my brother Randy and my sister Monica would go at it and argue all the time because they were a year apart. But they all, they played a role in my life because my mom would instill in them, hey, look, you guys are the two oldest. You make sure Todd and Darren don't do A, B, and C. And if they do, shit rolls downhill. Beating you, beating you, beating you, <laughs> beating you, right? It's just yeah. how it rolled downhill, man. So she put those, uh, <laughs> she put it all in place for us. And she structured it enough to where when she wasn't there, man, my, my sister, I can't tell you how many times my sister, you know, grabbed me by mm-hmm. the throat and told me, hey, you know, you got to do it this way and this way. Or how many times my brother Randy would give me a little cash to say, hey, man, you know, you got money on you? Yeah. No. Okay, here's you got, how many buses you catch in a day? Two, three. Okay, here's, you know, a dollar. God, how fortunate were you? Because imagine if your sister had gotten to the drug game or oh, your yeah. mother. Oh, you're, yeah. Think about how many and people you knew key, man. Yes. That, that their parents didn't yes. put that foundation. So we started this by saying if you don't know, if you've never experienced it, it's hard to have empathy because the, the thought is from an outsider, it's why don't these people just get a better job? Yeah. Why don't they just educate themselves? Why don't they just work harder? And me and you talked about this earlier, telling somebody from the inner city, hey, just educate yourself right. or just work a little bit harder is a lot like telling a fat person, hey, just eat better and yeah. move more. Like it's true. That, mm-hmm. That's true, but it's not helpful. It's not. There's no substance behind that. Because you need the resources, man. Yeah. There's got to be resources. There's got to be a foundation that, that, that's planted in order for you to set your feet to, to, and elevate yourself. I, I, I'll tell you again, my mother set that foundation for me, which allowed me to get to where I am today, allowed my brothers and my sister to get there to where they need to be as far as education and all. But it was, it was a hard, it was a hard way to grow up because she had to be really tough. Mm-hmm. like really tough and very disciplined in what she was saying. So people, I, I hear people always say, well, you need to talk to your kids and, and, you know, have a conversation with them and blah, blah, blah. And I'm looking at that thinking conversation. <laughs> there was no, it was, yeah. it was it's her actions, way. Baby. Yeah. It was like, this is what you're, yep. go- look at me, look at me in the eyes. And I do it today. I still do it to my kids. She'll say, look at me in the, look, look at me. And I have to look at her and she'd say, come here. And I come over. You still looking at me? Yeah. Okay. This is what you're going to do. Boom, 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 boom. And if I strayed away from that, there was a hard, that was a loss. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting, I'm in, in spankings were in play back then. Like big time spankings, like belts and belt buckles, uh, a little bit of everything. But there was no conversation. 
it was, I don't have time. I have two jobs. I have to go to work. I have to put food on the table. I have to go do this, this, and this. Listen to me the first time because it's not going to be a second time. Mm-hmm. And that's how we were like, all right, yeah. like, like you being in a huddle. Okay, break. Yeah. And then you're gone. Then she's gone. She's and you know the, the other thing she, she did, maybe subconsciously, maybe she tangibly, or, or she was well aware, but she also broke the cycle. Yeah. Man, that's she so didn't true. just she didn't just accept reality, which everything in her or everything oh. around her would say. Oh, you started to see now you're getting deep, brother. <laughs> now we're going deep. We're talking about and, breaking cycles, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Every everything everything that's going on around her w- would give her the justification to say, "What are you doing? Yeah, you're working way too hard. Why are you doing all this? Mm-hmm. Why do you want better for your kids? This is life." You think you're better than us? You're right. That's another thought, right? You think, mm-hmm. oh, you think you're better than us. Mm-hmm. And But what she understood was, I've got to break the cycle. Yeah. And now look at where you are yeah. because your mother took leadership. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, not everybody does that. Yeah. Or, you know, for whatever reason, that's not everybody's story. And so as we wrap up, how can we, we can't change everybody. No. Nor should we try to change no. everybody. But you do a lot of work in the inner city. You mm-hmm. do a lot of work with, with C5 and things like that. You're educating. So how can we, what can we do, I guess, is the, is the best question. As a parent in the inner city, because I, I, I firmly believe, you know, we always talk about the kids, kids, kids. It starts with the parents. It starts with parents, man. First, you know, first and foremost, I mean, you know, one of the things that's cyclical within the inner cities is that, you know, babies are having babies. Yep. That's one thing that we, we got to figure out a way to stop babies from having babies. That's one. Uh, men need to be men and raise their kids. They got to be men. They got to show up. Men, not, not, not saying, oh, I just give you money and I go, go on about business. No, you need to raise your children. That, that's something else that yeah. that's, that's plays yeah, a hard the, role. The statistics are pretty clear that two-parent households, the kids end Absolutely. up – a lot better off than one parent. Because I don't know how many. Statistically t- speaking. Yeah, I've been in schools, been in the inner city, man, and or in certain situations, and and kids don't have a chance. They don't have, they're babies. They don't have a chance. Cause no You're one's a product of your there. environment. That's right. No one's teaching them. They can't, you can't expect your teacher to be your parent. It has to be someone who who is firmly taking care of you and has taken a strong interest in you. We need more mentors in the inner city. Yep. For sure. Hands down, you know, and, and it's a shame to keep saying that we need to supplement the kid from the parents by bringing in mentors. I wish we, I wish the parents would just be parents as, as they, as they are, but also bringing in mentors, professionals, and it can't just be athletes, right. man. I think that's what we always see athletes come in and we, 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 you know, do our thing and then we leave out there. It has to be professionals, man. Mm-hmm. Attorneys, um, you know, dentists. It doesn't matter, you know, who you are, what you do, or just working class folks, man. Doesn't matter. People, the, the guys and the girls who, who are working class people who understand, look, I need to get off my ass every day and I'm going to grind it out and I'm going to work, but I also want to be, make a difference. Like that big brother situation. Just make a difference in a young man or, 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 or young girl's life. Let me ask you this. As a kid, take yourself back. If somebody had come – now, again, you said you were fortunate to have mm-hmm. an older siblings and your mother mm-hmm. who was very heavily involved. My father was in and out of my and life. Your, and yeah. your father. Mm-hmm. 
if somebody had come out from the outside and came and approached you and wanted to build a relationship with you, how would you have received that as a kid? I did receive it. My, my, and I was a little bit older, but I was 18 years old when I met Lovey Smith and, and Don Bakke at Arizona State. And Don Bakke was the head recruiting coordinator for, for Arizona State. Uh, came to me when I was 16, 17 years old and was a mentor. Uh, changed my life changed my life because I saw a man who cared like a man not a woman you know I'm a firm believer that you know my mother did a great job of of raising three men but there's still something about having a man in your life there's there's just something about it I don't I I can't put my finger on it but when you have a man a strong man who comes in and loves you and tells you he loves you that's that's different yeah because he's pouring into you and you're starting to see a re- sort of a reflection of this is how a man's supposed to act. He's supposed to open the doors. Yeah, my mom's been telling me forever to open the door, but now I'm actually seeing a grown man. You saw action as opposed to words. Yeah, mm-hmm. open doors. Lovey Smith was exactly the same way. Lovey Smith, man, I can't. I mean, I'll, I, we've always talked about this being on this show, and we always say that you know, you know, about giving back and and just being honest and all. Look, man, Lovey Smith. He taught me like the littlest things and nuances just about not just about life, but about energy and focus and presence and who you were just like who you were as a man and how what perception was like. Uh, man, you've referenced him quite a bit. I, we, we need to have him on. We do, man. We got to get him once on. His, because I, he's I, still a head coach, right? So once his He's at Il- University yeah. of Illinois. But I watched him. he and his wife and his kids and the way he loved his kids. And I can watch it from a distance just from being around him. And just thought, man, that's – now, I come from a place where dads aren't dads. And they're not – you know, most of us in the inner city didn't have dads. He had moms, yeah. But I watched he, Lovey Smith and his wife, Coach Baki and his wife, and I just, just from viewing them, I just learned so much about yeah. you know, what it, what's it, what's it like to be a man. And I always felt like I'm going to be in my kids' lives, period, mm-hmm. period, because I got to give them a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Man, we got a lot more to go no, on. This no, we'll come back. Say, we'll revisit say, this. This one. is this this deserves another another conversation. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, because uh, I know it's it's not easy to talk about things like that. So yeah, it is I, actually it is. Oh, okay. Actually, it really is, man. Yeah, good. It's just just the reality of, yeah. of life, man. Well, hopefully, people listening, if that's not something you've ever experienced, hopefully, it gave you at least a little something to think about the next time you judge somebody for whatever situation they're in. It just gives some perspective on you know what life is like outside of your bubble. And uh, so, again, I just appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, Thank no you guys for, for joining us. Um, again, we really, really, really appreciate you guys. If you could share the show with just one other person, that's all we ask. Find a buddy, share the show with them. If you found any value, if you liked anything we've talked about, please, please, please share. We so much appreciate you guys. Yeah, and this is the this is we're starting to get into the holiday season. I'll be quick here. We're starting to get into holiday holiday season. For those who are listening, look, there's nothing better than to give and to serve. If you got to pass out turkeys, if you you have to bring your kids to go uh, pass out turkeys or give give away food or or clothes or whatnot, get out get out in the street, 
get out there in communities that need your help and serve. Appreciate you guys.